0: Hey, everybody, welcome uh, to the LinuxCast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Josh. And I'm Steve. We still didn't do it in the right order, but it doesn't
1: matter. <laughs> yeah, it, it do not matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's <was laughs> supposed to be Steve then me? Yeah, it's okay. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it works. It's our first time. So if you are listening to this or watching this, you'll notice something a little bit different. There's two extra uh, homun- homunculi. I can't even say the damn joke. It's it's it's. it's been it. There's two extra people here. And, uh, so, uh, Steve, he's also known as many different things with zero in the name. So he's tech zero, he's dark zero, he's many things with zero in his name. He's the creator of, uh, zero Linux. He's here. Uh, and then there's Josh. He's the, we call him the, our fun loving Gentoo fanboy is I think what we've agreed on. Cause that seems to be <laughs> the only Linux distribution that he can stick on for any amount of time. Also he hates Arch or more likely Arch hates him. I'm just saying, um, it's not that hard, man. It's Just you, just use zero Linux. It's, he's sitting right next to you. <laughs> I have an ISO problem. <laughs> he, he
1: sent it to me specifically.
0: Okay. Well, you should definitely use that. It's You won't have any problems. I'm sure it's going to be perfectly fine. It I'm sure about it. All.
1: Is there a bug tracker available, by the way?
0: <laughs> I am the bug tracker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So this is the Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things, and we have added some new hosts, so this should be an entertaining uh, couple weeks because it will take us a while to get our shit together. Also, yeah, <laughs> I can't swear, but I did. I can't help it. It's yeah. just – it's in my – whatever. So, uh, yeah, we talk about links and things, and it, like I said, it's going to take us a while to get th- to things together. Next week, there will be some more scenes so that you can actually see big like camera pictures, camera uh, instances of each of us. I didn't get a chance to do that today. Also, I will work on getting things more centered because right now – the names just aren't centered at all on the. <laughs> they're close, but they're they're so once you notice they're not quite centered. It's just gonna drive me nuts the entire time. So, anyways, this is the links cast. We're gonna start with uh what we did in Linux this week, and really the only person I care about. No offense, Josh and Steve. We gotta talk to Tyler because Tyler, you have some Linux news for us this week. What is it?
2: Yes. Um. Well, I've left Mac behind. Um. Uh, I'm back on just plain old vanilla arch. Um, I got my big like desktop setup all put back together. Um, uh, I was uh, so like, I've switched over to Mac in the first place just because I want to do game development. Stop doing that. And I've been doing a lot of like web development stuff. And uh, when you're doing that kind of crap, like you got a lot of projects, a lot of files to manage. And the one thing that Mac OS does really, really poorly is uh, manage files. Unless you're fine with just shoving all of your crap on your desktop folder, like, yeah, it's pretty terrible. So um, uh, I, I just – I got to the point where I was having like – I was genuinely having anxiety over losing files and like just not being able to put them in sensible locations and have them backed up. Yeah, uh huh. Uh-huh, I see that MacBook Zero. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I bet you're running. Uh, I bet you're running Linux on it, 100%. You
0: really? He used to work for Apple. He's an Apple fanboy bigger than you ever were.
2: <laughs> <Josh>. <laughs> no, no,
0: it's it's just the fact that this is a
3: 20 uh, 2016 first gen Touch Bar MacBook. Uh, oh, And Linux bar. on that, yeah, and the, the Linux on that thing is touch and go. So I yeah. just left it. Enjoying it as a download station, I just use it to download my uh, my big files. But that's all it does. Every day, all day.
2: No. Uh. Well, so since since you've used Apple quite a lot, and, like, w- what's the deal with with having like grid mode, like like where files I don't know go on a grid and so you can't overlap them? Why is that on a per folder basis? Like, why? Why?
3: Uh, I'll, since I used to work for Apple, I have an insider kind of point of view. Okay. Uh, the insider point of view is we like, uh, cleanliness over disorderness, if that's a word. Uh, <laughs> uh, I asked, I asked, and they were, because I had the same issue as you, and I was like, mm-hmm. why is it, why don't we have a freedom to, to, to do what we want to do? They were like, Uh, I told them it's it's a file Explorer we we should the minimum we should be able to do is drag stuff over stuff they were like uh, too messy and it's simpler that way I was like any reason development wise or whatever not up for us to say you have to go to the development section I was like okay (laughs) we never got the answer Yeah, that makes sense because <laughs> it just Apple, it's one Apple of those doesn't things, give you a straight I, answer. Apple yeah. never gives you a straight answer.
2: Well, I mean, so, it's just one of those things where, like, it's it's clearly not been decided by like everyone that that's the way it should be done. But that's just the way they're doing it. Which Finder has know.
3: been the sa- Finder has been the same for the mm-hmm. past I don't know 20, 30 years since I don't know how long Mac has been around. But ever since the the very first Mac OS. 2.0 or whatever it was, the first desktop version, it's been the
0: same way. But, My whole point uh, of this was to
2: talk about Linux, and we still ended up talking about Mac. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about Linux and the fact that file management is way better, like way better. On <laughs> Linux,
3: yeah, that's a win. And it's almost like it have been thing, doing that for 30 years. <laughs> another thing is uh, uh, when generating thumbnails, it's faster on Linux than it has ever been on Mac or Windows.
0: Hmm, didn't know that. All right, so not- jo- I mean, Josh, it- you made it to Gentoo. Is that that's where yes. you ended up settled, settling on? Is on Gentoo, and you're using Gentoo right now to record the podcast, right? Uh,
1: yes, Gentoo is working flawlessly to record this podcast. Unlike Fedora,
0: all user error, right. not Fedora's fault. Okay, <laughs> Fedora's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. It- so anyway,
1: okay. So uh, it was. Sunday night last week where uh, I updated Kubuntu and all the PPAs pulled in software that broke the system. And uh, of course, me being me, I did not take the time to set up ButterFS and file system snapshots. So I had to make a determination. Do I distro hop or do I fix it? I distro hopped. Uh, yes, I, that's I, the I, default way you should uh, go, yeah, I took a quick pull on Mastodon and everybody on Mastodon told me to install Arch Linux. So I installed Arch Linux. Uh, I I installed Arch Linux like four times, actually. Because uh, the first time that I installed Arch Linux, I was just like, I'm old school, I'm going to go in, I'm going to follow the instla- installation guide, and we're just going to install Arch Linux. Well, Pac-Man had this wonderful issue where, even though I had working network, DNS, and internet, it, it would 404 on all of the repositories. I took the time, I... I, uh refresh the mirrorless put it a brand new freshly generated list u- using their uh, mirrorless generator still nothing so then okay so uh, let's let's do some googling here let's ask around look on on the forums. found some some found some, some found some issues uh, there's an Aur package of a pac-man that maintains older versions pac-man static so I installed that that still didn't do anything uh, I completely nuked uh, pac-man from the system and compiled it from source right and, uh, it's still nothing. I'm like, okay. So then, uh, I blew that installation away. I ran the Arch install script. Same exact issue. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Well, I've got, I've got this virtual machine of, our, of an Arch Linux system that runs. So, uh, let's, uh, take that machine offline. Let's boot a live image into that t- to a CH. And, uh, let's just rsync that to my desktop hardware. Pac Man still 404. This I'm sounds check- like
2: an issue with your hardware. I'm, like
1: che- I'm checking uh, bug reports and everything. I'm not finding anything. Of course, I'm, I'm actually banned from the Arch Linux bug tracker. <laughs> 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 Believe it or not, I'm actually banned from it because of issues that I've had with Arch Linux in the past. <laughs> Noble in the chat it says it sounds like a, it could be a
0: hardware clock issue. I think that that
1: could. Cause when you, I checked the hardware clock, it's set proper. It's yeah. set right. It's set on my. I run, I run a local NTP server, and my NTP server is synchronizing time with all the other mirrors perfectly fine. So it's like, okay, well, it's not a hardware clock issue. Just uh, no matter what I tried, I could not get it to work.
2: So all of this to say, Gen 2 solves all of your problems and is the best distro, and we should all choose it. Yes. That's where you're leading okay. to, right? Okay, yeah. I just, just want to make sure. I just, just want to make sure.
0: I don't. I don't think Steve agrees. I think he's an Arch fanboy. You're an Arch fanboy, no, right? I, I don't agree. I'm not a, a sarcastic. No,
3: not an Arch fanboy, but I haven't used anything but Arch, so I can't judge. Uh, so because I was, I started on Manjaro. Then I, en- I ended up. Okay, Manjaro is not. It's not uh, what I want. So what do I want? Create your own distro. Done. Uh, so oh, and I've been I've been using KDE ever since. I've been using it for two years. And then people kept knocking, knocking, wanting. No, I was like, no, isn't that the ne- arch nemesis of KDE? Then I thought, as a mature adult, and I thought, okay, it's the other side of the coin. No, you need to complete sex, the right. other.
1: <laughs> uh, it's a free desktop standard,
3: it. isn't it? I used it. I used it the way it was meant to be used without messing with theming, just adding the extension to uh, eight extensions that are necessary, uh, like uh, uh, Dash like to, dog, to blur My name. Shell, <laughs> and Pop Shell. And the others are for my hardware, not related to GNOME. But it works, and I had zero issues with it. And to be frank, with, with a, a, a GNOME works better with more hardware than KDE does. Although I am a KDE fanboy, if you want to call the, call me that, uh, I still prefer GNOME when it comes to stability. For me, I'm not talking about other users because some users say uh, could can have issues. They're not telling me. Some uh, the, the the only users that reported anything, they were like, oh. Why don't you make zero G your default edition? Because it works way better than KDE does. I was like, oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. But uh, suffice it to say, I've been enjoying KDE. The, the only issues I've had with KDE are the opposite of yours, as it so happens, Matt. You, you can't get your displays to, to,
0: to sleep. I cannot get, get them to stop sleeping. <laughs> uh, if we could only split the middle and have – see, but I found that my problems aren't plasma-specific. Mine happen on xfce too, So there's something going on with Fedora – that's ha- causing that problem, uh, I think. I'm oh. hoping it's a fedora problem and not a hardware problem, actually, because if it's a hardware issue, then it's going to happen on all distros and that's a pain rear end. That is. in. It- it's dumb drive. because it does not happen. Like, i3 will go to sleep perfectly fine. Uh, awesome went to sleep per- perfectly fine. Uh, I was using Qtile for a long time. Mm. That went to sleep perfectly fine. So it has nothing to do- it has something to do it- either, now you gotta remember, I've never used Wayland, so maybe it's an X-Work problem. It could be an X-Work problem. Um, but I'm not gonna if use. It's it.
3: Excel, if it's an exo, if it's an exo problem, I could be having it as well, but I don't have it.
0: Mm. No. Yeah, I it have is, the opposite. It's weird. All right, so moving on to the main part of the show where we talk about news. Now, what we've decided to do for this first time is that we're each gonna do two links. Uh, if it turns out that we can't do that in a reasonable amount of time next week, we'll do one each. Uh, and then maybe like an extra one that we can all like agree on or something like that um yeah just to you know kind of the problem is like when tyler and i were alone here a lot (laughs) of times we'd have like one or two links where we spent most of the time and we'd have one that we we get through quickly so uh, with eight links (laughs) it should be it should be very interesting to see how we do this on time so i'm going to go first this time and mine actually has to do with fedora unfortunately I can't show you guys the the article because I didn't set up the fucking audio on that scene. So <laughs> uh, there you go again. I, I, I'll get it done next week. Guys. I caught that too. <laughs> um yeah, I, I can't help it. It's dumb. I, I I hate OBS with passion. Normally when I create a new scene collection, I duplicate the old one. That way all the scenes I already have set up are set up. This time I created oh. one from scratch because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> you don't need to know that. It's just it's just bad. So, anyways, the the first article for me is the Fedora 38 has approved a change has approved a, a change to mandate quicker reboots and shutdowns. Uh, this is an a, an overall project that they've been working on across the board over the next few releases of Fedora to improve the speediness of Fedora itself. So they're working on uh, reboots and shutdowns. They're rewriting DNF so that it's faster. Thank the Lord, it's finally happening. Uh, They're redoing the installer so that it's faster and simpler, and that is also way beyond due. Um, So, they are working on making it so that when you boot into or reboot into Fedora, it is faster and it could save up to like I think the original change proposal wanted to shorten that from a two minute shutdown service to just 15 seconds. Um, Now, I as someone who's used Fedora for seven months or so like that, I've never seen a two-minute shutdown service at all. It's never been two minutes for me. It is slow, but that's because it spends a lot of time unmounting all the, like, 12 hard drives I have. So that's usually why it's a little slow for me. But on my laptop, it's usually really, I mean, maybe 30 seconds. So I don't know where they got the two-minute. Maybe that's what their, like, maximum is. Because everyone's well... – if you guys ever see, see those, like – um. What do they call them, reload services or something like it, waiting for the service to stop. It, like and, and also and also dumping, dumping
3: uh, driver cache and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would to to
3: contradict Josh, who keeps saying Zero Linux is nothing but a coat of paint on top of Arch. Uh, <laughs> I have implemented those fixes on on Zero KDE uh, a year ago, uh, because Arch has the same issue uh, for a lot of hardware. Uh, I figured it out thanks to a user on, surprisingly enough, the Arch Linux uh, forums, uh, how to uh, apply uh, apply the fixes. It's just replacing certain values in system.conf. Uh, but I applied them and I haven't had any reports of uh, reboots taking any longer than five seconds.
0: So they've managed, they decided, ended up, instead of doing the 15 seconds, they decided to go with the 45 second timer, which I suppose makes sense. But it, So it's still, it's half the time as it was, because it used to be a minute 30 from what I know. Maybe it was two minutes. It says it's two minutes, but I've never seen a two minute one. Um, but anyways. I don't know how
3: it's implemented on Fedora. Fedora is kind of different thing
0: than what well, we were but, talking yeah. about yeah fedora um so overall i think this whole project where they're trying to get things to run faster is really really nice um because it, fedora had some problems where it was just slow in some aspects dnf is just horrendously slow unless you i mean once you enable parallel downloads it's not horrible but that first run when you first run DNF in on a Fedora fresh install, it's just so slow because it's got, a, it, it got, it got, got, down got to... It pulls on the
1: package the... database, it indexes, then it checks the GPG yeah. signature yeah. with it, makes sure it matches, which, you know, Pythons are gloriously quick at doing to begin with, and it's all it's a full Python stack here. Well,
0: plus the, uh, mir- the mirrors aren't notoriously slow. They're faster yeah. than OpenSUSE's mirrors, so that's good, but still. No. All right, yeah, so... A... Go ahead, Josh.
1: Don't just remember to never enable fastest mirror equals true. It's actually a really bad idea.
0: Well, cuz it's opposite, right? It's actually looking then it, it like Well, it it'll really...
1: run, it'll run that check every time you every time it goes to refresh the libra- the uh yeah, re- repositories, which it mm. is on a 24-hour timer. So if you catch it I right did... before that timer runs, you're going to be sitting there waiting. I discovered
3: I that when I installed Fedora on the Raspberry Pi. So it's better just to, to
1: set your max parallel downloads option if you're going to do it, uh, which, by the way, DNF has enabled out of the box with uh, three parallel downloads. Uh, but if uh, you do, if you modify that setting, just uh, modify that. Never call fast mirror equals true and just let DNF figure itself out because it will be faster for you anyway in the long run. Well, that is a that
2: is good correct. little piece of advice.
0: Excellent. Yep. All right. So, Tyler, your first news item of the week.
2: Mine is about... <clears throat> unless I need to change this, but um, I don't think I do, but uh, NVIDIA. So they came out with a new driver, no surprise, um, but it fixes like quite a bit of stuff. Like there's, they've got some, they've got like a few different bugs down here that were pretty big. Um, like one was, one was relating to Vulcan and allocating memory, but the the biggest things is like they've improved the suspend and resume on some UFI systems, which um, I know I know a couple guys who've got Nvidia and who have had issues relating to that. So, are, are yes. you one of those people, Zero? No, one of my users is. Uh, okay. I don't I have
3: Nvidia, but I don't have laptops. So I, and I don't use suspend and anything on my desktop because I work on it. But uh, one of my users, I sent him the drivers because I built the NVIDIA drivers, custom NVIDIA drivers from TKG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sent him the drivers. I told him test them for me. I have them installed, but since I don't have uh, suspend, I don't know. Uh, he reported back that his lap- before the, this NVIDIA driver update, whenever he puts uh, his laptop to, in suspend mode and closes the lid and he used to open it, everything was messed up. All his uh, displays go messed up, and it takes a long time to wake up. Uh, after updating uh, the driver, those issues some of those issues are not yet all gone, but it wakes up much quicker, and his displays are no longer messed up.
2: So, Perfect. Okay.
3: So uh, I can confirm the, that fix. Uh, on my side, I still have to try it. Test it on my end. Enable hi- uh, suspend or hibernate or whatever whatever it's called. And uh, but but we have to remember that not all hardware is created equally. Some hardware does not support suspend out of the box. It's not a driver issue, but it's on the hardware end. Yeah. Because, Especially
2: when you uh, get into that laptop range, like the lap- yes. the laptops are where it's like it's touch and go no matter what.
3: Yeah. But. Because uh, hardware especially manufacturers that have a direct dealings with Microsoft uh, because they removed uh, uh, something called S3 state where uh, Mm -hmm. that allows because a lot of people used to suffer from laptop they close the laptop they have the battery full at 100% they close the laptop put it in their backpack go about their day like CES or whatever cover CES they take the laptop out of the backpack to do something they find it warm burning hot And the battery completely depleted so with with that some people are with that driver on Linux Who use Linux uh, have reported that it uh, fixed a a few of them for some hardware not every single GPU is fixed Hmm.
2: but I can confirm it works hopefully, hopefully laptops will only continue to get much better, especially when it comes to the driver, like the graphics driver aspect. And again, it, it, you're right. It's not just drivers when it comes to that stuff, but a lot of it comes down to drivers. Yeah. A lot of it does. But yeah, so that's that's my article. Okay, so
0: that was the NVIDIA one. Uh, did, Josh, did you have anything to add to that one?
1: And For NVIDIA? No, not really.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, I forgot who I said was going next.
1: Did I say Uh, who was going next? I'm next in the show notes.
0: Okay. Josh, you go next then.
1: Okay. Uh, GCC version 13 is coming, but for now it's on stage four regression fixes only. So if it's broke, they're going to fix it right now. So right now is your time to fix your uh, future C compiler, guys, uh, because all these fixes are going to be backported to previous versions of GCCs, so to GCC 13.1, 13.2. Uh, which means that of course Arch Linux is once again going to fall behind on a C tool chain and will be, need to be badly updated and have a thousand videos posted about it over the course of the next two years before they actually fix
2: it I knew, that, I knew you were I knew you were going to bring that up didn't they just it. they just he's not wrong this, right? he's not wrong no he's not right. wrong at all <laughs> but when it comes to GCC this is
3: Arch GCC <laughs> waits an eternity before doing anything about it I mean I'm
1: on Gentoo, so I just uh, update GCC recompile the whole system and I'm good to go <laughs>
3: compile the whole system <laughs> spend days compiling the whole system. Ah, about cool.
2: 16 <laughs> hours <laughs> uh, i love it yeah just just josh. spend multiple days compiling the whole system it's all good it's it it's nothing it's classic josh come on
1: <laughs> uh, oh, do, well, yeah. do we
0: have working audio on that
1: hey, okay apparently audio does work in that okay Okay, good. <laughs> uh, f-
0: fixing audio and adding adding audio sources midway through the stream. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but stuff. anyways, uh, ba- basically what this the basically what G- the biggest features of uh, GCC 13 is uh, that it's going to be or uh, f- yeah, 13 is going to be introducing f- support for like the the uh, Ryzen uh, Zen 4 series, which I think is like their 7000 series GPU or CPU. Yeah. CPU, I mean. Uh, it's going to have some. Im- improvements for uh stuff like alder lake it's going to uh, implement support for c plus plus 20 and 23 uh it fixes it, it it fixes a lot of things i highly recommend that you guys uh read the GNU.org announcement because not even pharonix covers everything and pharonix is typically pretty detailed
2: yeah well i mean yeah. there's it, it depends on the GCC, gcc update we're talking about but there's normally a lot of stuff in there like <laughs> normally normally i'll give them credit there's a lot of there's a lot of work being done on gcc so but i i don't know so i i do i do have a question though josh do you feel the need to update gcc very soon uh no not really Uh, the, the biggest advantage to
1: updating gcc now is for future is for uh the future uh because everybody's in the future, everything's going to be expecting GCC 13, which, you know, they, they do a wonderful job of, of a legacy support in, in the GNU compiler. So it, it makes sense just to build against the newest version of the compiler to begin with. Okay. I'm on Over. Fedora. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was expecting that.
1: Well, you see, it was an OpenSUSE maintainer that uh, that wrote the announcement, so I think OpenSUSE is going to get that update before before uh, Fedora does. Probably, <laughs>
0: um, because they'll pro they will probably wait till 38 or w- whenever. Uh, it's-
1: either way, most of most most of the major distributions probably won't be shipping uh, won't be shipping like the latest version of GCC for at least the next two or three years. But uh, they're gonna because you know they just wanted the stability fixes to come in first, which you know does make sense it is true
0: okay Steve your first one
3: I'm gonna keep it uh, on the Linux side uh, I'm gonna go with my favorite desktop environment KDE uh, it's the uh, article talking about the upcoming changes to Plasma 5.27 and since I think uh, most of us here love packs, uh there they have decided to integrate the flat seal features into the kde settings panel uh cool. this is the best part uh near and dear to my heart because zero linux is switching to flat packs as uh, as we go along uh that's going to be easier for users and other than that uh, they are going to implement uh, kde specific tiling uh into the kde settings but it's still not great. I have tested it on beta. It's far, far from being done.
1: Now, are they, uh, they
3: doing manual tiling or dynamic tiling? Uh, it's, um, well, manual tiling because you have to open you up the settings. You have to tell which direction
1: sensor. to go? Yeah. yeah okay. And
3: uh, create your own layout. Tell where, uh, wh- where you want Windows to go. For now, this is the start. I don't know where it's going to head afterwards, but... Uh, the fact that they have a shadow on Windows, if you and they don't have gaps, so by default. so window, some some windows will overlap and the shadow will uh, will be on top of the other. Oh, yeah. uh, the mm. active window will have a shadow on top of the inactive one. Uh, they still have a long ways to go, but it's good to hear that they're doing something about it without having us uh, install
0: an, uh, a plugin called bismuth, for example. But okay, I have so to admit here, here, that here's my question. They did this from scratch, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just take Bismuth and use it? Because it's good.
1: Hey, because the that scripting system question. that K that Kwin uses is actually not how K is actually just a plugin on top of Kwin. They're they're backporting this natively into the code of Kwin itself, so they can't yep. just take the uh, oh. Bismuth scripts because the Bismuth scripts correct. call API make API calls against the Kwin session. Mm,
0: that makes sense. Yes, correct. Oh, and oh. Uh,
3: they're upgrading Kwin as well.
1: Uh, and then it, it looks of, like that they're integrating all the Flatpak permissions into the system settings menu, which which uh, FlatSeal is written in GTK. Of course, uh, KDE being a QT, QT environment means that they can't integrate FlatSeal into uh, KDE.
3: No, no, it's not FlatSeal that they're integrating, but uh, what I meant the was... The features of FlatSeal. Yeah. The, fl- yeah, the features of uh, FlatSeal into uh, the KDE settings. And that's what I've been asking for since I started uh, switching to uh, flat packs. I Now Gnome uh, needs eight...
0: to do this so bad.
3: <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, KDE beat Gnome at something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's how I saw it. Honestly, Gnome, sh- Gnome should just bring FlatSeal into, into the core project and then ship it with Gnome. Well, or, you know, it's a GTK. app. Ah. or at least integrate it into the software store. Or Steve software and I have manager. talked about
0: this before. That f- that Flatseal needs to be a hard dependency for Flatpak. They should come together. You should not be able to use one without the other. I exactly. Mean, you that, should not have that's it. why in
1: mean, a Flatpak GUI center, yes, because I don't I don't want to run Flatseal on it on a console only system.
3: Yeah, but having it, but having the the, the features of Flatseal integrated into the system settings is a great idea. That
1: yeah,
3: I, th- I think they that actually way, do have a,
1: have like a privacy section right there. It'd be a great fit right in there.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's in the it's in the under applications, uh, under applications where you have file associations, locations, default applications. Underneath that, you got flatback permission settings. It's amazing the way they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a beautiful surprise when I uh, when I saw it. And they're it's also the kind fixing... of feature
1: I want KDE to build up, and not just like the latest way to uh, you know float a panel.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. The floating panel. I discussed it with uh, uh, <laughs> with Niccolo. Niccolo there. Yeah, with Nicolo. Uh, I I discussed it with him. He's like. Uh, no, I am not going to uh, give options to uh, change the gaps uh, between uh, the floating gaps and stuff like
0: that. It's Will someone please ban fact. the guy who just said app images for the win? <laughs> uh,
1: I'm on I'm on a fresh Google account here, so I don't have moderation moderation privileges right now, sir. <laughs> well, Ricky, no, got, you, but uh, you live to
0: survive another day. <laughs>
3: I told you, I told I told you
1: earlier that app
3: images. Well, I don't hate them myself, but I prefer flat packs uh, for uh, for some applications like uh, what's it called, uh, Sengi, uh, that you mentioned to me, uh, Matt. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's an app image.
0: Yes, so I know. I found it on the pisses me but off.
3: But on the AUR, it's an app image repackaged as an app image. So even though, oh
1: e- even though when we last had an episode concerning app images, I had a very long rant purely from the, from the user, from the end user usability standpoint of them, which I do have concerns with. Uh, I do think that app images do have their place, especially when it comes around to like yeah. paid software downloads, because they're not just going to give you a repository; they're going to give you a binary that you use. So I'm talking about stuff like Crossover. Yeah. Uh, that's where an app image that's where an app image makes 100% se- sense in my head.
0: Solve uh, for you me the problem of installing and appearing in system menus and I'll be okay with with app images. I will yeah. solve it for
3: you. I have a solution for you. Well, I
2: knew, you were, to, uh, I knew I think you were going to I knew you were going to I think the problem to, uh, it's I think app the main problem No, the, the main problem with it is is this the system for this where the app images just tie into the system well it doesn't need to be a completely separate obscure app. It needs, it needs to be like packaged with app image. Cause that's something that like it's, it's one of the things that makes flat pack so great is like managing flat packs like that's done by flat pack. Like it's just there. App mm-hmm. images, you're kind of, you're kind of just left to the weeds. Like you take care of it yourself. There needs to be a management system for app images that comes with app images like as a whole. Like support for app images should have this system put in. But, but
3: there is something that solves that uh, problem. Uh, there is something called app image launcher. Yeah I,
0: don't, yeah, I know about that already. I don't want it. <laughs> you, you I, I don't it. Don't the problem, uh,
1: it. The problem I just, with app image so, launcher. There is a solution. And the, do, problem, it? the problem with <laughs> app image launcher. First of all, hard system D dependency because you know it it, it builds a uh, system D timer into it. But yep. that that's besides the point. Uh, another point. Is that the is that if you look at the GitHub page, it hasn't been updated in two or three years, which uh, basically, which which uh, if you use like their dead package, the dead package doesn't install on modern Ubuntu systems.
0: What I want is what? consistency because there are some flat packs that if you go into your terminal, make it executable, and do dot slash package name or whatever, it will install it just like a normal package. Like PCloud is like this. If you do that with PCloud, it yep. installs it fine, it shows up in your menu, and it works fine. It's it's an app image. It's exactly the way I want my app images to work. But with this, I, the the that I was that is my pick my pick of the week. It doesn't work. It's not the same. Not, so it's not the same across the board. There needs to be a standard where this works. You know, and, and I know I not everybody uses the terminal, but fine.
3: You know. But I agree. Uh, when it comes to terminal, I agree. I, I have nothing to say about that. But uh, App Image Launcher, although it hasn't been updated like Josh said in a long, long time, <laughs> uh, I installed a game that we streamed uh, on my podcast. Uh, it's uh it's an App Image, but. I discovered that when you uh, when you implement it with App Image Launcher into your menu and your system and everything, there's a new entry in the context menu in App Image Launcher that wasn't there before. It's called Update. You can right click, update your app image. Oh no, that's I, pretty cool. I
2: didn't know it did that.
3: It, it does that. I, I, I was surprised to see that. So you see it in the app menu. Drop down the app menu. Right click on the app image. Update uh, update uh, app image. And it's going to pull the latest one and call the old one dot old. And key, uh, so you have two versions. And you can run either or. You can still run either or. But in the app menu, the new, the latest one will show up. The old one will not show up. But still, you can double click on the uh, dot old because it's dot old dot app image. <laughs> so, oh. uh, but, it, but app image launcher does things very easy in a very smart way where it hides the dot old one. Uh, from the app menu keeps the latest one. And I was like, that's a cool system.
2: Because I, you need
3: I, the I, benefit I, of app images. You can run multiple versions.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I,
0: I don't care.
2: <laughs> well, I think I, I think, mean think me you can do that with Flatpaks too. It's just
1: Flatpaks does a really bad job of telling you that it can do that because you yeah. have to roll back into the Git commit log of the Flatpak itself to be able to do that. Yes. And, yeah.
2: yeah. But I, I, I think I, I, me and Matt's both like both of both of our problems is just that some the the thing that is the app image launcher is not there's not a system that's put out by app image itself. Yeah. Like, yeah, that.
1: Yes, yeah I think app that's, image maintainer I think that's just needs to problem. do something other than double click a click an option in a file manager like what yes, he claims to do. Exactly. Yes.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Another another issue is you need a, a, a decent enough hub to distribute your app images through because app image yeah. pool. That that thing, uh,
1: uh, AppImage Help does exist as an official AppImage project. Yes, but, but
3: it's more of a website to yep. to download from rather than store. an app. Yeah, uh, yeah, rather than a GUI on on the system. More mm-hmm. people prefer GUIs. Well, so yeah,
0: the reason why that. it's not in, in a, any of the GUI stores is because all the maintainers of the GUI stores have their own thing. Um, I mean, except for KD, yeah. which KD does. You know, they support you know, obviously from the repositories and from flatpak and you know snap depending on what distribution you're on right so they they are much more agnostic but if you, if you're on a an ubuntu based system you're going to get snap unless the the flavor or whatever has decided otherwise and they're almost certainly if they have decided otherwise they're going to choose flatpaks there's not a distribution out there than what like wait, what's it, nitrix is that is that nitrix that chooses app images nitrix
1: yeah yeah it's yeah. like
0: the nitrix. only one that chooses app images and that's you know <laughs> nobody uses i mean i'm sorry to the that distro's maintainer, but nobody uses your distro. Okay, I mean, very few people. Um, it's very obscure. It's it, yes, it's just, it's correct. a niche it's a niche distro, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's a thousand niche distros, but there's no mainstream distro out there that says, "Hey, we're gonna support app images as a first-class citizen in our app store." It just it doesn't exist, and there's a there are many good reasons for that. Is because app images not as good at the at being a package managed thing as flat packs and snaps which are are meant to be used to are meant to be installed by a package manager of a sort right there's no package manager for an app image really you have to install each one individually or have this other thing which some third party has created and hasn't updated in two years all right we got to move on though. <laughs> but but speaking <laughs> of flat packs we can just continue on the <laughs> continue the, the debate we'll just continue mm-hmm. on because the next story is mine so over 90 percent of systems have had Flatpak installed says gnome research this really isn't a hit against app images because app images is a is an afterthought uh this is a hit against snap right mm-hmm. this 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 is 90 according to their research of certfated now first of all i have Huge problems with the person with the people who actually did the survey. It's from the Gnome project. So uh, <laughs> Not quite sure they're the most unbiased people to be doing a, a survey, but whatever it's according to this They said 90% of systems had Flatpak installed now I'm not sure I Read this a few days ago, so I don't really remember but it said the research consists of, of 2500 users across varying hardware and software configurations uh, they had an, initially they had received 2560, but they had to remove some from the data set due to not using a GNOME installation. So this is just GNOME installations. Um, so it doesn't just apply.
1: GNOME on hardware because they also remove virtual machines. Virtual machines, too. yeah. So this it's not
0: the most if you if you just read the, the headline, which is what I initially did. Like, oh, my God, like 90 percent of Linux systems are using Flatpak. That's not true. It's just the ones that are using GNOME and happen to fit within the survey's parameters, and it's done by the GNOME project, so uh, take from it what you will, but...
1: Well, th- this and... information was collected through the GNOME Info Collect tool, which is, which is if you didn't know about it, you probably never ran it, so you, so uh, your statistics won't, won't be counted towards this at all. Mm-hmm. And that's why the sample size is so small to begin with, because you actually have to intentionally uh, install that package as well as run it. I would like to see the, cause it, it it's a, cause
0: Fedora had, Fedora, both Ford, Fedora and Ubuntu have the information collect thing that they have you enable through the welcome screen,
1: right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it'd be yeah. interesting to see from them how many use snaps, how many
1: use flat packs. Because, That's also in Fedora 37, which, how many people are actually using Fedora 37? Uh, uh, and it's going to take. It, I mean, I understand <laughs> that you're using, but how many people are actually running Fedora 37 on their computer right now? Cause, well,
2: uh, pe- I guess hold on, ju- just to back up what you're saying, Josh. People who have been using Fedora, like yeah. most likely they're not on the last version. Cause, I mean, that's, you're literally describing my grandmother and my mom. Like both <laughs> of them are running older versions of Fedora. So, well, I
0: mean, you know. they had the the software survey thing in fedora 36 as well so it was there
1: well yeah it was there but it wasn't installed by default
0: but the the thing is either way the 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 point is is that it would be interesting to see that data compared to this data because this data chances are if you're running gnome like stock vanilla gnome where this is actually because this is not going to include Ubuntu, (laughs) which that's running Gnome, but it's not actually vanilla Gnome, so it's not going to have any of that data.
1: So it's uh, interesting to see what like the raw data for this project actually looks like from the total number of responses, or even just down in the future when they continue reporting this this data. But you know, it is a pretty interesting use case where it's just like even with the data that they showed, ninety percent of users are are running Flatpak with Gnome, which that makes sense because Flatpak integrates so well with Gnome as it is.
0: It does, yeah. Um. I, the thing is, is like I would want, I want to, I really want to see hard numbers for Flatpak versus snap because there's so much hate for snap. Like even the the, the thingy of the week that I'm gonna be using today, to Steve and I just talked about it, is either app images or snap. And as much as I hate app images, I chose the app image over snap. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see, you, you know, what those actual numbers are. I don't think that. Very few distros actually publish that raw data. I, I know Ubuntu does sometimes, like they do it what, what every five years or some weird thing. Uh, and you only get snippets. If, sn- snippets well, the that. Ubuntu data
1: is no good because Ubuntu never tells you how many people are actually using Ubuntu. Yeah. Uh, they they know and you yeah. and uh, yeah. they have they have access to repositories and they can see how many times uh, somebody runs sudo apt update per day or how and from what IP address, so they can collect that data, but they just don't announce it, and I don't necessarily blame them for for announcing that,
2: because then people will be crying, oh, Canonical's using telemetry again! Yeah, 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 Yeah. Yeah. but actually, like, I mean, Matt, you do have a good point, like, this is a very small sample size, but it would not surprise me if extrapolated out, like, to the entirety of everyone who uses GNOME, if it's not damn close to 90% using flat pack. Cause pretty much everyone that I know that, that uses snaps, flat packs, app images, like they use flat packs, like ex- especially on like Ubuntu and stuff. Uh, if you do like retro gaming, gaming in general, like a, a lot of the times you're just going to be using flat packs. Like you're, j- it, and it's just, natural like a, a, a great example would be a low spec linux laptop or jeff uh he had like a couple games that he was trying to play that were like that, that were distributed only as snaps and flat packs and it, there was only one like there was only one out of a handful of games that were distributed like this that he chose to use the snap version only because the flat pack version like they didn't i guess they didn't like update or whatever but in every other case the flat packs ran better they or or the snaps had like direct issues like in bugs that the flat packs didn't have so as far as i know a lot of people use like a lot of people use flat packs on systems that already have either snaps already enabled or installed so
3: I, mean. I'm, I guess I'm one of the few who used snaps for six months. I didn't I didn't know the existence of flat packs, but once I discovered the existence of flat packs and tried them, look at me now. I'm using uh, I have 180 flat packs on my system.
1: So I remember uh, when snaps first came out, everybody was super excited and loved snaps.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It quickly yeah. changed, though. It really did quickly change. I mean, Canonical
1: There's... was pulling in like community members and everything on like these HackFests just to get like the whole concept of snaps working. Because you got to remember that Snap was the very first of these universal package formats. Well, and it was meant yeah. for enterprise use. It was meant. It wasn't. For... Even, it it wasn't meant for enterprise use. It was. It was meant for desktop use. Initially.
0: No, it was meant for enterprise use. It was meant for servers. That's what. That's that was the whole purpose of it. That's why they didn't care that everything was slow to launch because it was meant to be distributed through servers. That's the. the reason why it took that when when firefox was released as a as a snap that's why it took them six months to fix it because they had to go in and retool the entire thing to prior to that their only focus was enterprise they didn't care about the desktop canonical still doesn't care about the desktop and i can imagine
3: the most downloaded snap is nextcloud Because Nextcloud, the only way for it to work correctly is via a snap
0: package,
3: not via via anything else. But anything other than, and I I agree with uh, Matt here, uh, it was meant for uh, enterprise use. Because most of the good snaps are uh, cloud-based stuff, related stuff, server configuration packages, and stuff like that. Uh, Everything else came afterwards. Uh, they started Plus. distributing uh, applications like Firefox and Brave and stuff like that mm-hmm. as uh, Snaps, and it started rolling from
0: there. It's just more we, – we've talked about – Tyler and I have talked about this before on the podcast, but Canonical's interest in the in the desktop has waned over the last few years, and Snaps is their –
2: it, it was ported to the desktop is not the right word but it was I, mean, I think it was always intended to end up on desktop but that was never like it's kind of like canonical if, running if you thing.
1: pull up your archive.org uh, way wayback machine and you look at the original snap announcements it's all desktop they don't mention server until later when uh commercial interest finally picked up because canonical was very die hard on docker it, at the it, time it
0: came to server first i know that for sure
1: well so, yeah it did come to server first because everything comes to 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 server first because that's where canonical makes their money
0: because it's an enterprise product <laughs> it, yeah
3: but it was, it was
1: purely the ubuntu desktop team that first came up with the idea of snap but, and first proposed it all right yeah.
3: but another well, another have, reason uh, another reason for using snap sorry to cut you off uh, no, Ty, no, 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 but no. uh, uh uh, is portability app images and snaps are more uh, can be uh, more portable than flat packs and native packages yep uh, yeah so portability was on uh, on their mind as well like uh, take me for example I have a lot of app images why uh, it's because I have snaps and app images because I have an nvme drive that's connected to my system right now an external nvme drive, uh, where I put all my portable apps, very generic portable apps, no. like a browser and uh, uh, I forget what else. But I have like six or uh, seven uh, app images and like three or four uh, snaps uh, because I can in- uh, take it to, to to anyone's home, plug in my uh, plug in my SSD NVMe, uh, and run my apps just like that. It, uh, they have my settings and everything embedded into them. I don't yeah. have to reconfigure them or whatever. So this is another attractive. I, uh, this is another thing that they use to attract people to to their
0: packages. Yeah. All right, fellas, we gotta move I... on. Uh, Josh, oh hold on. Before we move on, we forgot something. The contact information. Uh, it was supposed to go before <laughs> me, and I, I messed that up.
1: It's even in the middle.
0: I know it's in the middle. It's where it's supposed to be. But I wasn't looking at the show notes. I was looking at the at the browser. Okay, so moving on to the contact information before we we settle on our last three links. Uh, I'm gonna mess this up, so I apologize right ahead of time. So if you want to subscribe to any find any of this information, you can do so at linkscast.org. That is the website. There you'll find previous episodes, blog posts that I release, all that stuff. There's also a contact page, which I'll mention here in a minute. Uh, You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Linuxcast. And uh, subscribe to me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Linuxcast. Tyler is also on YouTube. He actually has done one stream this year. Uh, His whole goal of doing one every day... Not yeah, so much. So much. Uh, but anyways, I produced more
1: content than Zany this year.
0: Um, true story. <laughs> uh, but, but also, not a hard bar to reach. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to Tyler's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash zanyog. He also has a Discord server. The link for that will be in the video description and on the contact page. Josh has a website. He is at tenlyj.com slash stalker. You can find that. It's a fantastic, uh, URL there. Uh, <laughs> Steve is on YouTube at youtube.com slash at zero Linux. Zero with a Z. Or that's an X, Matt. Learn your alphabet. Zero with an X. X-E-R-O Linux. Um. Spelling is really freaking hard. <laughs> Anyways, he also <laughs> has also uh, uh, several other links. Those will be in the in the contact information, which you can find at thelinuxcast.org slash contact, where all of these links you'll be able to find and click on, including the email, which you can find, which I don't actually have here, listed email at the linuxcast.org. I do get all the email that you send me. I do read it. I don't reply to it because I'm a horrible, horrible man just i i just i i'm i'm really bad at replying to email so if you if you've sent me email and i haven't replied to you know that i've read it i just you know the reply button is way far away and i can't reach it um good enough excuses anyway so that is the contact information Shift R. <laughs> yeah so uh josh your last link uh
1: my last link uh let's see here cody uh, Kodi is your is your home theater s- software of both the past and the future. It it w- used to be called the Xbox Media Center, but they've since rebranded the Kodi like 10 years ago. They've introduced a new version, version 20, of which uh I don't think any distribution is shipping version 20 yet. But it features all kinds of great and wonderful things, such as uh in in Zany's case, Steam Deck uh, control support. So now you can use your joysticks with Kodi. Uh, it features uh, AV one if. It- Features AV1, so your Arc GPU can actually work with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they've reworked the subtitle system, so now it actually looks native. Uh, and you know, if you use Cody to man- manage any of your native Linux games, because it can't manage your Steam library unfortunately yet. Uh, the save state has been vastly uh, improved. Uh, if you're using Windows, it now features HDR support, and it, it supports NFS NFS form some. They did, did some changes to the context menu, that way it's a bit more consistent, which is always a great thing if you're using Kodi. Uh, and then, of course, there's all kinds of behind-the-scenes, and of course, they're always looking for for additional help if you ever want to help them.
0: I've never uh, used Kodi in my life. Is that a bad thing?
1: Like, I've always uh, just used uh, Plex. No, it's not yeah. a bad thing. It, it's just a matter of, do you want the dedicated HTPC uh, box like what I've got, or do you... Or do you actually just use Plex on a remote system and then you just use your your web browser to pull into it? Yeah, I do that. Yeah,
2: yeah easy I out. mean, uh, yeah. Cody it's is one of those things where, like, Cody is not something that you, like, are missing out if you're using something else as an alternative. But Cody is one of those things where, like, if you just want to set up a media center in, like, your living room or something like that, it is probably the simplest route to do it. It is... Yep so easy it's so seamless and one of the things that cody unfortunately gets a very bad rap for is because it's so simple to use and clean and elegant almost write add-ons for (laughs) exactly and so there's a lot of add-ons and a lot of stuff for cody that are like that it's it's just for getting illegal content like served to your Device. And so Correct. they get a, they get a big bad rap for that, but it's not Cody's fault it, at all. Like it's just they have a exceptional piece of software and people who are willing to like not pay yeah. and get unlimited amounts of content. Now the,
1: the biggest, most important thing about Cody is that uh, we mentioned Plex and there's somebody in chat mentioning jellyfin. Cody is actually a client. It's not actually the server. It can act as a server, but it's a client that can hook to a, that can read uh, all, all of your local files. And uh, there's plugins you can add to get your Plex library as well as your jellyfin library into Cody as well. Uh, it's just that uh, if you, it's just – so, for example, if you're using something like an Amazon Fire Stick or something like that, you're probably not going to use the Fire Stick to actually, you know, play back the local file on it. You're just going to use something else instead of like a, like a Plex or Jellyfin. You do it uh, like then a boss handle and just trans-coding use SSH. For you. <laughs> yeah, basically – Basically, it's just a, it just it acts as a client for Plex and Jellyfin. So think of it as like an alternative client that you can use natively on on your machine without having to rely on like an Electron package or a web web browser. Yeah, uh,
3: and uh, I was a user of Kodi for five years, uh, and I can agree with Tyler. My sole use for it was on my Shield to get what he said was
1: it, pseudo we enabled the one <laughs> yeah. add-on that I'm not going to say the name of because it could get Matt demonetized, but you know, it's the one add-on that has access to everything for free. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, but there used
3: to be there used to be uh, something called Kodi uh, community builds where uh, that you could yes. download image, full images yeah. that you could download and flash as an open uh, as an operating system. Uh, yeah. Steve, so, let, me, uh, let me ask
0: you a question, Steve. You used to use Kodi. Have you used KDE Big Picture mode? How do those two compare?
3: Do you know? I did use KDE Big Picture mode. Tried it, not used <laughs> it. Uh, still has long, long ways to go. Uh, basically, it's very hard to customize the icons for some reason. Uh, the icons show up as small, small icons in a big rectangle uh, with a color. Yeah, <gasps> that for for some, for most apps some apps were tailored for tv then you see the full icon but there are some desktop applications that you want to use as well that do media stuff but they're desktop icons uh, desktop applications not tv applications so i had an issue with having to customize those application icons they don't make it simple so (laughs) uh uh, if you run for example you want to run let's say discord i'm just giving an example on the top of my head on your tv And you want to, you have a Bluetooth uh, keyboard or whatever. Uh, the Discord icon on the TV thing is going to be a a rectangle with the purple color of Discord, but with the icon of Discord very tiny in the center. (laughs) I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm old. I can't see that. What am I clicking here? I'll let you memorize the colors. Uh, It's still very
1: early days
3: very early days but uh, yeah uh okay, big picture so, mode still has work to do uh, to go but Kodi uh I used it as as normal at first uh and I can say one thing I have never seen a TV box application get metadata faster than Kodi
1: yeah. Exactly. Cody has a yeah. direct access to TVMD. They're not going through any third party services or anything. They're going straight Correct. to it because the Cody project actually has first class API support for TVMD, which, so that means that it gets everything super fast. Subtitles included. Yes.
3: Yeah. And another thing, uh, I noticed that, uh, Cody, uh, respects the language of the TV show. Like, if you have, a, if you have a French TV show, like I do, I have TV show, French TV shows and movies, because that's our second language. Uh, when I tell Plex region, Fran- uh, French, France, and I tell it to scan my hard drive that has only French TV shows and, uh, and movies, it still grabs the Americanized posters. Mm hmm. Cody does not. It grabs the French posters with the French title. I'm like, why do you do this to me, Plex?
1: Uh, That said, (laughs) if you if you guys are interested in like uh, previewing Cody 20, there is a there is a test a uh, continuous daily build of LibreElec you can grab and and, uh get access to Cody 20 or you can compile it from source. Cody is actually pretty easy to compile. Is
0: 20 not available in the
1: in? It's not available on Arch. It's not available on Arch. not available on Arch. Lame. It Ooh. is available as a flat pack. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, is awesome. it twenty? Yeah. Because when uh, when I look first look at the article, I checked the flat pack and I didn't see Cody Cody twenty as a flat pack. I thought they were still yeah. on nineteen.
2: No, oh no, they're, they're on twenty updated.
1: now. Okay, so the flat pack's been updated. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, because I them? ship it on
2: because
3: I ship it in my uh, 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 aggregated application installer in the Zero Hello tool. Uh, I check all the flat uh, that I integro- integrate there. But yeah, uh, Cody, go with that. Uh, if you want to do a client server thing, go with Jellyfin. Don't go with Plex. Plex has been on the slow downs. They're, down they're slow.
1: not working on the features that makes Plex actually good and usable and why you would want to run Plex to begin with. They want which all is that is a streaming
0: nonsense. Like.
1: Well, they're, they're also they're, trying to—they're also trying to present yeah. themselves as a legit company too, because you have to remember mm-hmm. that Plex is actually a corporate, corporately backed software. Yeah. Where it's a corporation that's running it, and a corporation's goal is to Make remain money. profitable. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've just made it so the...
0: hard to find like, your actual content. They've buried it below. I mean, I know you can move this stuff around, but by default, all of their streaming stuff—and you know, fine, whatever. Uh, but half of the stuff you click on, like let's just say they promote you a movie, you click on it, like you can't even watch it inside of Plex. It takes you to Disney Plus or whatever. Like that's mm. that's not useful for me. Whatever. It's it's basically an advertising. All right. But it, and, and you cannot and you cannot delete the part that
3: says uh, free TV shows and free whatever. I tried to take it out. It's yeah. you cannot remove at least on the
0: shield. Does Jellyfin mm-hmm. do music yet? It's been a it long does. Time. Yes, it does.
3: Okay. So maybe uh, I'll give it a try. They again. have an application.
0: They have an application for cell phones as well. The last time I, I looked at Jellyfin, they didn't do music. but So that's been a while ago. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'll have to check that out because I've been using Plex, and I pay the $40 a year for Plex Premium or whatever the hell it's called, and it'd be nice not to have to do that yeah. anymore. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, Tyler, I, I realized we just kind of skipped you. Uh, so your next one.
2: All right. run is. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. So I got G Compromise 3 uh it's an educational software uh it's they've released the new version 3.0 um and it's it's for children to learn like not just basic computer skills but and and again like this is a software like if you've got young children like like we're talking like like three four to like 10 12 somewhere in there um this is a really great piece of software it's 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 Linux, like it. It's made not specifically for Linux, but it is targeted towards Linux. It's an open source application, um, and oh no, we lost. We, we
0: lost Steve. We lost. Oh no, there goes the transforms. <laughs> there goes all the transforms. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. I can. I, I, okay, he's back. Oh, uh, there we go. Did that mess everything up for you?
0: No, it came back. It'll be Mm -hmm. fine. It's fine as long as he comes back. (laughs) I'm back. Sorry. It's okay. No, Uh, you're uh
2: but yeah, so G Compromise 3, it's a soft it's a piece of software for teaching younger kids um how to do just basic computer things, math skills, um and the basic type of stuff that you would want to To have your kids learning on a computer and it's actually just it's a pretty basic and intuitive like little i i actually downloaded and checked it out it's actually
3: sorry uh tyler i was laughing all throughout because it's not g compromise it's a it's a plain french
2: word j'ai
3: compris. yeah i i just now (laughs) noticed
2: i've been reading it as compromise this entire time
3: (laughs) that means i understood Thank, thank
2: you for correcting me like I would have never noticed I would have kept <laughs> saying that for like years Compromise, <laughs> compromise what? Is
3: we're compromising <laughs> our children? Are our children compromised by this application?
2: <laughs> I, I, I love how I picked out this article. and never once even realized that I was completely misreading the name.
3: <laughs> it was fun though. It was it was a good one. Compromise our kids? Oh no, our kids are not going to use that software. They're compromising
2: themselves. <laughs> how did I not even notice that that name is ridiculous? What,
0: what
3: is it? An educational
2: software.
0: What is this based on? Is it based on a Ubuntu or is it its own independent thing
2: Uh, it's as far as I know it's it's independent I I don't think it's actually ran by canonical or any other big like it's an
1: independent yeah it's an independent a lot of these are actually just ran by like a non-profit uh, group that's uh, typically set up by like a front front company sometimes or you know it could just be one of those standalone projects where it started as like an individual project and then it kind of just grew from there
2: yeah. No. Well, they've they've done a lot of like so. Uh, as far as I know, the the people behind this project they've donated a lot to like different organizations, oh. and I think I think they've done a lot for like Ukraine.
0: Oh, so I'm a, I I recent... I thought that this was a distro. It's actually just that's something you can in, you can install it on anything you want.
2: Yeah, it's an application. Yeah. It's oh. available as a yeah. flat pack yeah okay yeah, yeah. it's it's just a little like learning app you can for, tell I was
0: only sure. half listening because I was messing around was <laughs> Steve disappeared halfway through I was like oh no the transforms are done <laughs> 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 I just spent an hour on these things damn you Steve <laughs> <laughs> no, I
3: just I ju- I just heard a notification on Discord and I right-clicked and killed Discord. I was like, I am on Discord! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, Tyler, they just released version
0: 3.1. Oh, wow. So, okay. Fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, like, that's really fast. <laughs> <laughs> it means that there was little, a bug. A, little, a little <laughs> panic attack. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Steve, your last one. My last one is,
3: uh, I, I hope we can keep it at a uh, short one, but Twitter has updated its developer agreement to explicitly prohibit third-party app makers from creating their own clients using their com- their company's AI without even
0: telling anyone. They just
1: hop. Uh, Darn, you mean I can no longer tweet from my notifications in Gnome?
0: I mean, you can no longer tweet from anything that's not a Twitter client. Darn. Um, so that is...
1: No, Wait, all third all
3: third party all third party clients like Tweetbot, like Twitterific, uh, uh, Twitterific. By the way, I discovered they are the the ones who coined the term "tweet" to tweet. Uh, oh. So yeah. Uh, so any third party uh, Twitter client is axed. We discovered this when I launched Tweetbot because I'm on iOS. Yes, I am a Linux user who uses uh, iOS. I'm right there uh, with you. It's okay. Sorry. So uh, uh on Tweetbot I opened Tweetbot my favorite uh, Twitter client uh I opened it up I wanted to tweet could not log in could not log in and then it put uh, locked me out and I was on the welcome screen tried to re-log in uh with a big message uh by the Tweetbot developers uh, we're no longer uh, I, uh we have an issue with our API we hope this is temporary go check out our Mastodon client <laughs> 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 so now that's they're developing a Mastodon client. Yeah, I
0: think that's where uh, so, where a lot of these Twitter uh, developers are going to end up going is is Mastodon, which is good, really good. I know I know the Tweetbot guys are. I don't think Twitterific hasn't announced that they're going to do a, a, a Mastodon client, but it wouldn't surprise me if they no, do. Not yet. Um Yeah, but it's Elon
3: uh, Musk. He ordered uh, to 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 decapitate all third party clients without telling anyone. We started uh, and they were silent for like uh, 24, 48 hours. And then uh, they updated their uh, terms, and uh, the developers of those clients were surprised to see that oh, no, e- ever, you're never getting access to our API again. Yeah, that's it. Sure. It's basically Throw anything everything you worked
0: on before. Yeah, it's basically yeah. anything that proc- that duplicates Twitter functionality, like any yes. Twitter app functionality. So uh, uh, displaying the very, timeline is the going reason, to be down, anything like that. So, Yeah.
3: Uh, the explanation is very, very makes so much sense. If you look at your uh, Twitter clients, do you see any ads in them? Very rarely.
2: Oh, that is mm-hmm. a good point. Uh,
3: Elon Musk decided to kill all third-party clients, especially though it was
0: first such uh, and an foremost easy, the ones that don't display ads. It was such an easy fix though. They didn't, they didn't have to go this far. All they had to do is was push their ads through the API instead of not you know if, if they just pushed no, their ads through api so that they came through in the timeline like you know they probably should have at the beginning
2: the, developers would have tried to work around well
0: that's that. true but they could have been yeah. they could have added to the the terms of service to say hey you can't remove the ads um yeah but, and,
2: that would have been a better route. And instead they killed businesses you know <laughs> like they, yeah. yeah actual well, livelihood no, imagine being mastodon right now like mastodon as like as an organization, as a company has to be like ecstatic. Their biggest competitor is consistently like consistently for the past few months, been making decisions that only benefit them and hurt Twitter. Like, yeah, it's a great time to be Mastodon right it's now. It's a great time to be
1: Mastodon, but at the same time, Mastodon is actually seeing a drop in in a uh, user yes. users. Completely, uh, but then predictable. again, yeah. it's A lot of time because they're. It's it's also a lot of time because you know a lot of these uh, reports are coming from Mastodon social, which Mastodon social server has crashed several times since the Twitter thing happened. Yes yes oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's it's, it's people, all really fair it's
0: people moving to different instances but it's also whenever there's a new thing that comes around a whole bunch of people come sign up then they they fall away that's the the way yeah, then it bleeds everything off everything happens so, it, it'll level off and then continue to slowly grow uh and you know i'll ha- have peaks and uh, peaks and valleys and stuff like that but if you read all the blogs like oh my goodness for Mastodon's failing, you know everybody's leaving Mastodon. People are fleeing yeah. Mastodon. that's just that's not true no,
3: no. and another reason why uh, Elon decided to to ax uh, third party clients is because he doesn't want uh, others to control how uh, Twitter timelines are fed to users.
0: He wants full control. How people view uh, uh, tweets. His ultimate uh, goal, and he stated this, is to, to turn Twitter into WeChat, where it's it's a one-stop whoa. shop for everything. He calls it an everything app, so you're going to be controlling your payments through there. You're going to have – you're going to be – it's yeah. your messaging service, all this stuff. It's, it's what he wants Twitter when, to be, and, it, and you ca- you can't – do that and have an open API access for other people to create basically a clone yeah. of your application which takes out all the features you'd want them to have. you know that benefit yeah, only. but you. my my
3: problem with uh, with not having a separate client because if you check uh, the official Twitter client, uh, you get a tweet, it's replies, but you don't get them in chronological order. It's yeah. like, it's a mess of of aggregated content and uh, ads and like today i said something on my podcast i shouldn't have said but uh, uh twitter they don't police their their own platform well enough because they say oh we want everything to be there but everything good for the people yet you see x rated content on there you see uh suicidal messages and stuff like that They don't believe their own platform. Yeah, a lot of crap on Twitter. It's the same thing on YouTube. YouTube tells you not uploading pirated movies, not uploading uh, erotic movies and stuff like that. But if you know how to search, you're going to find all that on YouTube.
0: Yeah. All right, so...
3: yeah, they need to do a better job at policing their own platform if they want to. He's not going to – he doesn't want grow. any
0: policing unless – the only policing he wants is to make sure that you can't say anything about Mastodon or say bad things about Elon Musk. Those are the two, only two things that you can't do. Everything else is free speech. Um, yep. The last point I want to make free is that is. I still have my Twitter accounts, but I will not be using them. Uh, and th- this is this is a, uh, something that everybody who has a Twitter account should do. Keep – I, I know there have been a lot of people who have said, oh, I'm leaving Twitter, and a lot of people have. Don't close your Twitter account. Just don't do it. Just no. make it dormant. Lock it if you don't want people to follow it. Because the worst thing you can do is, is in three months when that Twitter handle becomes available again is that somebody take it and then pretend to be you. So
3: Yeah, yeah and, and like I said uh, today, uh, Twitter is very useful for us content creators. It gets more eyes on our content. Yeah. So just use it as a bridge between Mastodon and.
0: Uh, I never uh, used it as a as a content promotion tool ever. So I that, I never lost I, I, I never lost it lost that capability. I actually use Mastodon more for that. But again, it's not even that. I I I use almost all social media except for for YouTube as a means of communication between me and people that I've that I want to talk to.
3: You know, I'm just I'm just using it because I need to reach my 4,000 hours. I haven't reached yet. I'm still at 1,500 so until I reach there I'm not gonna
0: youtube.com/0linch with a z no excuse me an x <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I did that that time it was on purpose just to be funny Look, look <laughs> that's
2: just like me with g
0: compromise <laughs> Need to reach those 4000 hours I
3: already reached my 1100 subscribers I just need to, those hours
1: just, Yeah, yeah. Funny don't, thing don't is, worry, funny thing is, think. I actually have the hours because my YouTube channel is actually really old, and it's it's I've got like 300 videos or something like that, <laughs> but uh, right. and, but uh, I'm actually disqualified from any monetization, so. Just
2: like ah. <laughs> whatever. You, you, Josh, you telling me that you're banned, disqualified, or not allowed to do something is always one of those things where I'm like, I'm not surprised. Like and it's <laughs> it is it's it never because I can totally see you doing something that would get you banned, but you've just been banned from so many different things for like Did you get just did you get an
0: entire Mastodon instance banned from someplace the other day, that I See that you you, you,
1: you, uh, no, actually, what happened? That that's a whole other story <laughs> that the uh, I that I don't want to go into details here on this about because it's a whole shit fest because of uh, how that Mast about the origins of that Mastodon instance, the moderation policy policy that it publishes uh, versus how we uh, pra- practice moderation moderation and all that, but uh, that that's a shitstorm storm for another time. Okay, uh, that's called somebody being woke versus somebody not being woke.
0: Okay, so, we'll move on then. Oh, All right, that. so moving on to the last section of the podcast, this we call very creatively thingies of the week. We could have called any a number of things. Uh, like apples of the week or tips of the week or picks of the week or any of those things but those were all taken and thingies of the week was something that we could trademark and uh, don't you dare steal it because it's mine and you can't have it so uh, thing-
3: i, I kind of sort of stole it today damn it steve
0: <laughs> forgive me, <laughs> forgive me. <Damn> it, steve. <laughs> all right <laughs> josh what's your thingy of the week
1: uh, my thing of the week is probably something that you probably is, have seen but never actually used yourself because uh you probably unlike me you probably don't have a server in your closet. Mm. But uh, my pick is going to be is is a project called Cockpit, which is a web GUI management dashboard for your ser- server, and it is actually somewhat universal. Uh, basically all it does is is it's a web GUI that inter- interfaces with STDIO out, uh, so standard output, and uh. Every, everything that you do in the cockpit GUI outputs into a terminal that terminal in the, on your server. So every change that you make is, is say, like if you're spinning up a systemd service or creating a timer, it's, it's generating that, that service and actually running it for you. Uh, it has a built-in terminal. It manages software updates. So you can manage your storage volumes, uh, which, uh, you know, I actually found it as, like, a great reference tool. Uh, specifically for, you know, like system logs. You can get that in a in a GUI image and you don't have to set up like a log service like a gray log or, or uh, what, what's that other really popular log thing that everybody's pushing now? I can't remember it, but it's got all that stuff built in and it, inter- and it interacts directly with your system logs. You can get, you can even connect it with uh, other instances of Cockpit running too. And, and uh, it, it communicates over SSH, so you know that's secure and, and it's 100%. GPL top to bottom that entire the entire chain that Cockpit uses. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, it, is, it is developed primarily by Red Hat, which is you know wh- why it's GPL. Well, and as no, a we result, can't use
0: you... it because damn it, Red Hat
1: sucks. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> well, you can use it, uh, Matt, right can su- use right, Matt. Right now, you can use Red Hat. Matt, right now, you can pseudo DNF install Cockpit, and it will work. Oh, I, I was being sarcastic. I use I use uh, it, I use Fedora. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but uh, you know for. It, it, you can install it. It works on Arch Linux. It works on Ubuntu. It does not work on Gentoo right now because you know Gentoo doesn't have a package and uh, it does use some systemd services, of course. So if I, mm. if I set up Gentoo with systemd, I would be able to use it with Gentoo. Uh, oh, good luck. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's actually a really cool tool. So if you have a home lab and you and you're looking for like one of those dashboard applications, uh, then it's then you can actually install it and have it act as your dashboard. Mm. All right, Steve, your thingy of the week.
3: My thingy of the week is not a Linux-related thing, but please forgive me, you Linux users out there, including me, but I forgive myself. Uh, (laughs) But it's a Windows thing that MJD, I don't know if anybody's uh, familiar with MJD, but he's uh, an awesome guy on YouTube. Uh, He created a video on how to keep your XP windows alive in a vm of course hopefully uh <laughs> because i i had i had the uh i don't know what came over me yesterday but it was an urge to play Midtown madness 2 uh and it runs on xp and i it has an xp patch so i was like hey why don't i spin up uh, xp in my vm but it's outdated my the iso is from 2012 or something uh so uh, i spun it up and the, what this thing does is microsoft when it said that support died for xp in 2014 they didn't delete the update files they kept them on the server but the redirect link the forward link uh, was killed off so that you what this user discovered is a way to create a, his own domain it's called uh uh, but, uh, what's it called uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I forgot the name of it, uh, it, it uh, it's on the tip of my tongue uh, it's, uh, it's called legacyupdate.net you go to legacyupdate.net on your Windows XP machine and it's the usual uh, Windows XP update service UI he cloned it Uh oh, bit it does look quite bit. a
1: bit like it <laughs>
3: yeah and it's even the scanner that starts scanning for updates is exactly the same the only difference being he has his social media links on the on the left pane uh, mastodon and whatever uh, but i was able to update my xp to the latest patch uh, it was over 280 packages updates of updates on my windows xp media center uh, edition so it's update to the latest the only things that f- the only thing that failed to install was of course the Live Essentials because Live Essentials are dead. So does this so get lots.
1: does this allow you to update XP to XP Service Pack 3 or 4 whatever the last service pack was and then does it yes. continue updates past that? Past that. Okay.
3: Because oh. my Windows Windows Media Center edition was the 20 2005 edition. Uh so it it even out, no it was the 2002 edition. It updated that to 2005 update roll-up 2 and beyond. So cool. I had over 280 updates to do. It took three hours, but I was updated to the latest. Even .NET Framework, they have uh, in their updates, they have .NET Framework 4.0 for Windows XP. That's actually so pretty like, cool. It's amazing. It uh, I was able to play Midtown Madness perfection. I was happy. I have Luxor uh, or as you guys know it as Zuma's Revenge. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm like, hey, I have a window. And the best part is I can. Uh, it's on a drive that is readable by Windows and Linux. So if I, if I ever boot into Windows, God forbid, uh, mm-hmm. if I should boot into Windows and I want to use XP, I can load up uh, because it's a VMware image. Because I have VMware on my system as well as Vert Manager, Virt Manager being the primary one. But for Windows guest OS's, it's VMware because it deals with them better. Uh, so I was like, great tool. Yeah, my
0: XP still lives on.
3: So I, I highly recommend you guys check it out. It's legacyupdate.net. Simple UI.
0: Unsurprisingly, I will not be checking it out. It's Windows. Um, but the rest of y'all, you just have some fun. I'll continue to be – me and Tux will just be here. You never know when you might need it in a VM like I did.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tyler, your thingy of the week. Uh, mine is uh, NeoVim, which I hope is a program that, like, most people who would watch this podcast know about. Um, if for some reason you don't, um, I know you know of Vim, uh, like if you've used Linux for like two days, you've heard of Vim. So like NeoVim is just, it's just Vim with extra shit on top to make it more uh, customizable, I'm more sure modern. I'm sure that's
0: exactly how they describe it.
2: Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's exactly how they describe it. Um, but one of the nice things about uh, NeoVim is the way that you can go about configuring it, you can, you can configure it with just using Lua. And I've, I found that setting up Neo Vim to be a full fledged IDE with, uh, you know, like code completion servers, like autocomplete, like a whole bunch of different plugins and everything. It was remarkably simple using a, a Lua system. So I've, I've got all of my dot files for NeoVim up on my GitLab just in case anyone wants to go check them out. Um, but I've really enjoyed using NeoVim for the past day or so. And I'm probably not going to be going back to just regular old Vim anytime soon. And I definitely won't be hopping across the pond to emacs <laughs> anytime soon um all no, right but i saw i saw
3: a joke uh, earlier i don't know if it's by you matt but why do people hate vim because they cannot quit Vim.
0: Yeah, well rick just made <laughs> rick just made the same joke he said i opened them once had to throw away the computer out away after um funny thing th- is
1: uh as as the only Emacs user here, Bam. Uh, that's, the, that's the reason why I learned Emacs was because I could never e- escape Emacs. It's...
0: You mean them, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about Emacs. You can't escape Emacs either? That's the reason why you chose Emacs was because you couldn't escape it. That's the reason why you're still there. Oh, I, I mean, it's it. Control-C,
1: Control-X. <laughs> yeah, that's a little guess. bit more complicated than WQ. <laughs> All right. So...
0: One thing is for, I want to say about yours, Tyler, is that I talked about a script last week called kickstart.vim, and that was created by one of the NeoVim developers. And if you run that, it sets up NeoVim as an ID immediately, like out of the box. Packer, all of the language servers, uh, what's it called? Mason? M-A? It's not? Yeah,
2: Mason. The thing yeah, that installs using. a whole Method. bunch
0: of, whatever it's called. Mason. Yeah, it installs all that so that you can install more language packs and stuff like that, if you want. So it's really nice. Um, that was my thinking of the leaks last week. So head on over, watch last week's episode, listen to me talk to that. So my thinking of the week is one that I'm I'm both extraordinarily happy with and also upset about. It's called Sangi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I apologize if I'm not. Uh, one of my favorite Twitter clients of all time is TweetDeck, and I've used TweetDeck for years since 2009 when I had a Twitter account. Uh, before it was purchased by Twitter. And it was really good. And it progressively got worse over the years so they actually had to have a, like a, a browser plugin called Better Tweet Deck or whatever that brought it back some of the features. But anyways, uh, Sengi is a Tweet Deck-like Mastodon client that offers a ton of features and is extraordinarily, extraordinarily well put together. It allows you to create a whole bunch of panels. You can create... You can follow hashtags, you can edit, so it has all the Mastodon 4 uh, features and stuff like that, which is really nice. So it works really well. My only problem with it is that it only comes in app images or snaps. So there's no Flatpak version. I've talked to the developer, he's, the reason why there wasn't a Flatpak version before is because it's developed in Electron and the thing that he uses to build it in Electron didn't have Flatpak support until just recently. So Apparently, the Flatpak version is coming when he has time, so that would be nice. Uh, as of right now, I'm using it as a Flatpak, and it's one of those flat – or excuse me. I'm using it as an app image, and as of right now, it's one of those app images that just will not install. So I'm either going to have to install app image Launcher, which I do not want to do, just shoot my system dead, um, <laughs> or I'm going really to have to will end this. up shooting it dead.
3: <laughs>
1: you can also just write a desktop file for it. I mean, I
0: could, um, just want to be able to click on the damn thing why can't i click on it and have it just <laughs> it's in my dock right now it's in my dock right now so um yeah it didn't, it didn't work on 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 fedora like it, it, it whatever it doesn't matter we don't want to rehash the first half of the show <laughs> we've done that before anyway so that that is really good if you're on mastodon uh, and you preferred the like of tweak deck when you're on twitter this is a good replacement for it, it has quite a few of I'm the same surprised. features
3: I'm surprised at you, Matt. Uh, you're one of the very few people I know who started using Mastodon on uh, Ferdium. Uh, why aren't you still using it on Ferdium? Why do you need another uh, another application for
0: okay, uh, so Mastodon? Okay, so Ferdium on Fedora, for whatever reason, takes a ton of resources if you leave it open. and oh. I leave stuff open all the time. So after – Something, something,
1: electron app, pulling up other electron apps.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's really, really bad. At one point, it was taking like eight gigabytes of memory. I was like, (laughs) no, goodbye. Also, every time I opened like HTOP, the number one CPU usage thing was Ferdium. Like it's a social client. It does not need to use half of my CPU. Okay, it just (laughs) – I have – I have 12 services open in the, uh, on it on Arch and at most it uses 2.5 gigabytes uh, uh, at most <laughs> 2.5 gigabytes is a lot of memory man <laughs> I am very Don't you have like <laughs> 120 gigs? I have 64 yeah. but <laughs> I, I'm I hoard them yeah. you know I that stuff needs to be available if I need to I don't know have like unused memory is wasted memory I don't care it's it's
3: just <laughs> No but <laughs> yeah. 2 gigabytes for me on 32 gigs of RAM I'm like it's fine, because I don't have any... When I have everything open, I want, open, th-
0: Ferdium, I want things to be appropriately managed to the point where they don't take as much... Like my... I look at it as an application is my problem. Like If I looked at it as a browser, I wouldn't have as much problem, because all browsers take up a crap ton of memory. Like It doesn't matter True. what browser you're using, it always takes up a lot of memory. Uh, if I looked at it as a browser, it wouldn't bother me, but I looked at it as an application, and... Unless you're like Caden Live or City Skylines, you know you shouldn't take up that much memory. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, that's the reason why I don't use Ferdium but, anymore.
3: It you used... So you you knew you knew TweetDeck back in the day when it was uh, an Adobe Air application. Oh God, too. yeah. <laughs> I remember that. God no, Brown. That. Thing oh God. With
0: the yellow buttons. Remember <laughs> Adobe Air? Jeez, oh. He's, yeah, man, we are old.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm glad well, that I've way never way, actually the... had to mess with Adobe <clears throat> Air except for the one time where I was just like I was trying to get like one application that, you know, I just randomly heard on one of those app picks of the week or or whatever right. off of a podcast. So I tried to get yeah. it spin up and I had to figure out how to get Adobe Air working on Ubuntu at the time because that's what I ran. Okay. So... The only way
3: you could age us, you can age us is by telling, "Hey, I was a I was a teenager when the internet was uh, was born." okay so i was
2: I'm not there. adobe
0: air was still around and still being used in 2019
1: yes yeah
2: <laughs> it lasted, I said, it uh, lasted there, there is some love for
1: it lasts, there is some love for adobe air in the chat which you know i i can understand because you know some people hate themselves too uh that's why i use gen 2 it lasts uh, longer
0: know. <laughs> than flash
1: it did last longer than Flash. It's <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Okay.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. right, that's it's a uh, wonderful little Flash uh, ripoff kind of thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, so you could I... so you could run because originally that was its means to run a Flash application. As a desktop app, it was the original PWA is what yep. it was. Yep. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and now oh, we all know world. how PWAs went. <laughs> okay. So that's it for this the one. The way with the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, people still use them, but it's still it's still mm-hmm. it, whatever. Uh, thank you, Microsoft, for continually coming up with new formats of doing things and then killing them not long after. Um, they're very much like Google well, you know, in that aspect. They do that a lot. Um, anyway, so that is it for this episode, guys. Uh, we record this live now every Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time or you know thereabouts. We usually go for about an hour and a half. If you watch the live stream, there will be timestamps. They us- Those usually show up around 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time once I come back to my computer. So there will be timestamps if you're watching this later. But if you've made it all the way through the live stream, saying this now doesn't really help you with the timestamps at all. So usually I say it at the beginning, but I completely forgot because of all the nonsense. So uh, for future reference. There will be timestamps eventually uh, if, you also, uh, if you want to catch uh, it afterwards. Also, if you want to support me, you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash LinuxCast. I do not have my Patreon uh, names here for all the, the, the Patreon guys, so I apologize for that. You guys aren't going to get your, your run at the end of this episode. I'll get that fixed for next week. But thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon and YouTube. You guys are all absolutely amazing. Without you, the channel just not me anywhere near where it is right now. So thanks so very much for your support. Uh, Like I said, live every Saturday now. It used to be Fridays, now it's Saturday, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. You can watch live, youtube.com slash linuxcast. We'll see you guys next time.